So, which person in this movie do you think had previously told their agent, if somebody makes a Resident Evil movie, I want in? Oh, I don't know. Um... Think about who fits the movie the best. Aside from the main character? Yeah. James Purfoy? Michelle Rodriguez. I was going to say her, but... Yep. That makes more sense. But I was going to go for also the guy that, you know, was the the Prince of Wales from A Night's Tale. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's who we like in the movie. Yes. Very true. I'm always happy to see him. But, you know, another good choice would have been Colin Salmon, just because I like saying his name. It's a hilarious name. And he's pretty fun. Deep underground. In a top secret research lab, security has been breached. A deadly virus capable of contaminating the entire world has been released. Okay, we're here to help. Now, an elite team has been sent in to stop it. Five hours ago, Red Queen went homicidal. Who's the Red Queen? State-of-the-art artificial intelligence. The corporation's keeping a few secrets down here. But they have only three hours left before it begins infecting and mutating the whole human race. Resident Evil. You're all going to die down here. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, a bad movie podcast. Where today we're talking about Resident Evil, the first one in a long line that we will watch all of them. Don't worry. I know. They even finished the series. I so know. now we just have to wait for the reboot. I know. Which they've announced before the last movie came out. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, don't worry. Starring uh, Mila Jovovich, James Purefoy, Michelle Rodriguez, the receptionist from Love Actually. Alan Rickman's receptionist. Also, Eric Mabius, who you would know if you've seen Ugly Betty, plays oh. Daniel Mead. Okay. Which has made him really hilarious in this movie. I sure haven't seen that. Because Daniel Mead is a rich playboy. Nice. Well, that, that checks out for his look. He also kind of looks like a 2000s era frat boy Bill Paxton. Yes. He reminded me of Bill Paxton so many times in this. Yeah. But actually, initially... That character was supposed to be played by David Boreanaz. And then they were like, who looks most like that? This guy. <laughs> That's funny. Well, and I'm pretty sure this was before Ugly Betty. So, Oh, it definitely was. I would like for that to be the movie that they saw. They were like, you know, we need to get this guy in. Yeah, exactly. To be in our TV show. So again, as with most movies based on video games, we have not played the video games. We're not super familiar <laughs> with them. Unless they make a movie out of Baldur's Gate, this is not going to be our situation. <laughs> yeah. But I did read the summary of the first video game. So okay, that's more than I did. This is not that. Although it does explain why there's a big mansion that they use. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's actually more related to the second video game. Okay. Including the the big bad monster at the end. is from the second video game. So we open with a message explaining that this is a confidential internal report for the Umbrella Corporation about the events leading to the incident at Raccoon City. I am shocked that some of their cameras had access to these things. It's pretty surprising. Yeah. What is the Umbrella Corporation, you ask? I do ask. Why it's the largest commercial entity in the U.S. with political and financial influence everywhere. Now I feel stupid that I didn't know that. I know. Surprisingly, they do not make umbrellas. <laughs> I bet you anything they at least at some point made umbrellas. Hopefully that was like what they started making. Yeah. I mean, I think at least probably promotional umbrellas, if not missed opportunity. I know. What they actually specialize in is computer technology, medical products, and healthcare. But it also secretly makes money from military technology, genetic experimentation, and viral weaponry. Just in case you were wondering, big business looks terrible in this movie series. Oh yeah, I know. I was like, they're the heroes, and then that happened, and I was like, what? (laughs) No. Also, allegedly, this is unknown even to their employees, and I was like, not to all of their employees, though, or else who's doing this? I know, just some of their employees. Yeah. 
It's really kind of them to explain all this at the beginning of their own internal report, though, I thought. I know. They're like, we don't know which dum-dums are watching this. Yeah. Maybe it's some of those employees that don't know. Yeah. The guy in the mailroom just got hired. <laughs> just got promoted because of heavy losses <laughs> yeah. sustained during this incident. How do you feel about being a genetic engineer? Yeah. <laughs> We cut to someone loading up an injector case behind safety glass. It's that thing where they're having to use, like, the mechanical arms from the other side of the glass because it's so toxic. Mm Mm-hmm. He leaves the room with a protective case that all the vials of stuff are in. These are fancy vials, by the way. Like, they Um, put a lot of technology into this. Needlessly complex. They have... Double helix. Yeah, they have a double helix inside the glass vial. That is what the actual liquid is in. Like, I just can't imagine how much more expensive it was to make glass double helixes for all of these things. Right? Okay, also, listeners, do not worry. This is highly breakable glass. Oh, yes. Okay? I know you're thinking... They should probably have made this super sturdy glass like all of their windows and stuff are clearly made of later. They didn't. No. That would be a waste of money. And they're spending all that money on the double Double helix. Double helix, exactly. So the man leaves the room with the protective case, or the person, they're in like a full hazmat suit, but not before throwing one of the vials behind them. Yeah, I mean, you you can say it. Scientists should all be men. We know what you're saying. Well, it's my own internal bias, but... (laughs) The vial breaks and distributes the contents through the vents as he leaves. Which, explain to me how this is so airborne when they made it into a liquid and when we see them and using it later, it's always injected. How does it work so potently both ways? That just doesn't seem like it's the norm. Uh, that is explained later on by a bunch of words that I didn't bother to look up. So we'll get to how awesome this virus is later. Okay. After a while, the many on-site dogs start acting funny. Well, it's like they sense the bad air coming in. They look at the camera, looks at the vent, and then the dog looks up and starts barking. Yeah. (laughs) No, totally. These are very sensitive dogs. Dobermans are sensitive. Yeah. But but emotionally, they're very sensitive. And also, totally the dog I would use for scientific testing, which I assume is why they're there. I kind of thought they were security dogs, but I, I don't know. Seems weird that you would have security dogs within the lab itself. Also, they were in kennels. Yeah, and like in, a, in cages. Well, it's a little unclear as to why there are so many dogs there. They're either for genetic testing, in which case Dobermans are a weird choice. Yeah. Um, and also, it's not really something... I feel like stuff doesn't get tested on dogs very much. No. No, not really. Well, whatever. <laughs> the first weird choice that they made as I know. a company. <laughs> we know that money is no object with them, so let's definitely get purebred Dobermans to test our genetic stuff on. Well, this company is clearly all about the visuals. Yes. So the security system, known as the Red Queen, detects the biohazard and locks down the building, which is called the Hive. Just clear because that up. everything needs to be explicitly evil. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone starts trying to leave, but although the Red Queen hears them, it doesn't let them out. It floods the lab, fills one room with nitrogen, and drops an elevator full of people, but for some reason, not all the way to the ground. The people in the elevator pry the door open, and one of them tries to get out, but then we realize that the Red Queen just wanted to do the old elevator beheading trick. Which is so weird. What a a complicated... It was like, oh, everybody's dying faster than I thought. I gotta have some fun with this. I know. Why not just fill the elevator with nitrogen also? Why would you do that in the entire building? Yeah. Then we cut to Alice lying naked on the floor of a super nice marble shower. Yeah. This is, like, the best shower in the world. Yeah, she's constantly waking up naked. Yes. In this movie. Thankfully, or unfortunately, depending on your viewpoint, she managed to rip down the shower curtain to preserve her modesty. Yeah. I mean, a little bit. Well, all the the R-rated bits. Yeah. She wakes up with apparently nothing more than an injured shoulder, which I would think if you fell down in a marble shower, you would have a head injury. You absolutely would. Showers famously are very dangerous to fall in. Yeah. She kind of, she's clearly like a little bewildered by her surroundings. She kind of flashes on a gas being released when she was in the shower before she fell down. 
She doesn't seem to recognize stuff around her. She goes out to the bedroom where a red dress is lying on the bed and a note on the nightstand reads, Today all your dreams come true. She seems, yeah, just out of it. And we'll find out later that she has amnesia. And not just, like, short-term memory loss, but, like, straight up, like, I don't know my own name amnesia. And also doesn't know that she knows how to use guns and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, she tries her own handwriting to see if... Right. That if she is. wrote that note. And she did not. Yeah. She starts going through the dresser drawers, which is mostly filled with white clothes. Like, they look like yeah. white underclothes. Well, I kind of thought that that was uh, James Purefoy's dresser. Could be. And then she was like, oh, a man lives here. Oh, maybe. Because it was, like, a lot of, like, white yeah. undershirts. And then and she stuff. looked at their photo. Yeah, and then the middle drawer, though, has a bunch of guns and, like, a fancy-looking locked glass case. Yeah. Which freaks her out. So she continues. She puts on the dress, the red dress, and with some chunky black boots, which she will be wearing throughout the rest of this film. And some, no one ever commenting on, on how inappropriate it is. Can I just say, she looked through all of these clothes, so she knows there's other clothes. Yeah. She... Still puts on the red dress that's on the bed for some reason, but these tactical, chunky leather boots. So she clearly yeah. had to make some choices herself, <laughs> and yet she still chose the dress. I did think of the fact of, like, why didn't she put on other clothes? But I was like, I guess if you think that, I don't know, like it's date night or something, maybe you would put on the dress you thought was appropriate with the assumption that, like, it will all come back to you. Later on, it's a little more confusing as to why she wasn't like, hold on just a minute. I need to go change into some different clothes. Right. Or why they weren't like, you need to change. Yeah. Because also, even if, like, all we saw were drawers full of, like, men's undershirts, which you need hundreds of, apparently. Yeah. But. Laundry day is once a month, so (laughs) yes. But she must have had clothes, too. I mean, yeah. She would have had other clothes around. So then she leaves the bedroom and she's wandering around the hallways and we see the Red Queen security system tracking her. Mm-hmm. She sees on the table in the hallway a photo of her and her husband, who is James Purfoy. And she explores the mansion a little bit, eventually going outside. But then the wind kicks up, which kind of seems like it was somehow the security system that was, like, making some eerie wind. And it I was like, did, that's not possible. Especially because it scared her. She was like, oh, no, the wind's coming at me. Oh, look, look at all those leaves blowing <laughs> no. around. And, and then, then she like, ran back inside. No, no. She was grabbed from behind by well, she an initi- unknown man. She initially start had already started toward okay. the door, though. Yeah, so she's grabbed by an unknown man and dragged back inside, and she's, like, fighting him off. And honestly, at the time, I was like, I think that's your husband. I thought it was, too. I had a really hard time. Some of these actors I eventually recognized, and I was like, oh, I know who you are, so I can place you. But honestly, there were, I was like, foreign people must have had a hard time with this movie. Because there were some actors that I was like, I can't tell, I thought you were actually this other person, and now I'm just having a hard time. Are you the same person? Yeah, there were multiple army guys who looked yes. too similar. Specifically, whoever played J.D. Salinas yes. and Chad Kaplan, Those they guys looked the same. almost identical to me. Yeah. I. That was yeah. such a weird casting choice. Maybe, like, in their normal clothes they looked different, but I'm like, man, you need to dress these people up in costume and show the show a picture to somebody. Right. Because that was so confusing. So she's struggling against the guy that's holding her, and then a flash bomb goes off, and a SWAT team bursts in through the windows, handcuffs the unknown man, and demands that she give her report. Soldier. Yeah. Report, soldier. She's not sure what he's talking about, of course, because yeah. of her massive memory loss. And another SWAT member reports that the house's defenses have been activated, although that didn't stop them from getting in the house, and it's not attacking them or anything. Yeah. But they were activated, and that explains her memory loss. Because there's side effects. Um, yeah, of the gas that got sprayed, one of the side effects is memory loss. Yeah. So, which is a pretty good defense, actually. Well, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, short-term memory loss would make sense. Yeah. Full-out, like... I don't remember my own name. Amnesia is a little bit weird. I feel like it makes sense because then any intruders won't remember their motivation for being there and they will be neutralized. But at the same time, you should have done something that you could target, like, your own, like, whoever it is. Well, and the other problem with that logic is that the actual goal of the gas was just to knock you out for four hours. 
I mean... So it doesn't make sense that it would only be a side effect when it was such an insane side effect. Yeah. So that's true. It's weird that they called it a side effect. Because they also said possible side effect. Yeah. That seems weird to me. I think that's a great primary defense. Yeah. Uh, But it's weird that they were like, oh, it's just a side effect. And also, we're this crazy corporation that does all of this research. But we couldn't figure out how to get that going. Because they've been knocked out. If you're knocked out four hours, presumably that would be enough time for people to come in and, like, arrest you or something. You would think, but just barely, it turns out. (laughs) No, yeah, it's not the case at all. So the unknown man who's been handcuffed says that he's a cop named Matt Addison, who's being played by Daniel Mead, for anyone that watched Ugly Betty. He's a cop named Matt Addison who just transferred, which is totally why he's not on file. Yeah, he's our CPD. Yeah. Wrecking City Police. Yeah. The SWAT team decides not to kill him. They, they're they fine with that. Uh, Shade, their commander, orders Michelle Rodriguez, who has a character name. <laughs> Rain. Rain. Yeah. Orders Rain to take Addison along. Why not either kill him or just tie him up and leave him in the house? I know. To take him with you is a bizarre choice. It is. You're making everything so much harder for yourselves. Yeah. Especially because even if the mission is as simple as they think it is, now this guy has seen all of this stuff. Oh, I know. They take him into all the super secret places. Yeah. It's crazy. You're going to have to kill him anyway. Yeah. Then, with no further ado, they open a huge staircase down and enter the hive, which is directly below the mansion. Uh, Again, this would have been a perfect opportunity for somebody to tell Alice to change into something that was more appropriate for dungeon crawling. I know. Uh, We're going into the bowels of the hive, so... uh, can you put on heels, please? Yeah. To match your dress? Because you look ridiculous and you're embarrassing everyone. I know. They also don't give her, like, weapons or anything. I mean, I know she's got amnesia, but I'm like, if her amnesia is so bad and you don't think she's going to recover it, again, leave her there. Yeah. She's a soldier. Or also. arm her. Yeah. They take a tram down to the hive, and behind a jammed door, somehow they find Alice's husband... Spence Parks, who is also unconscious Mm -hmm. and wakes up and also has memory loss, like insane memory loss. Yeah. And this is James Purfoy. I can't even remember if I'm good looking. I know. The answer is yes, but in a non-traditional way. Yeah, exactly. Alice flashes on memories of their wedding and then takes off her ring, which has property of the Umbrella Corporation inscribed inside it. Talk about branding. Weird. So weird. Also, this ring is so chunky looking. Like, I think this ring would be really uncomfortable to wear. It's not a thin gold Mm -hmm. ring. It's, like, really rounded and cheap looking. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like, closer to a man's ring, actually, I feel like. But, also, if you're deep cover on this marriage... Which, surprise, surprise, this is deep cover. Yeah. Then, why would you put that on the ring? The Umbrella Corporation will put everything, their name on everything. It doesn't matter how inappropriate. That's true. Spence Parks comes too, and this is when you find out he also has memory loss. And But they take him along too, because the more the merrier. Come on, everyone. Yeah, the Red Queen watches as the team enters the facility, and just as they're about to open the central door, Alice decides to start asking questions. Now is the perfect time. Yeah. Like, hold on. I know. I demand to be told what's going on here. Shade explains that they all work for the Umbrella Corporation, who Shade is played by, hold on, Colin Salmon. Yeah. Who is, everyone should know from the James Bond movies. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. I love him. As soon as he showed up as the commander, I was like, I just feel like everything's going to be taken care of now. If not. He's also like second only to Tony Todd for like people that I love to see in movies. Yeah. In weird places. And they just, like, pop up in little parts. Yep. So, Shade explains that they all work for the Umbrella Corporation. The mansion above us is an emergency entrance to the Hive. U.S. security operatives placed there to protect that entrance. What about this? Your marriage is a fake. Just part of your cover to protect the secrecy of the Hive. For some reason, they had to fake be married to live there as though the neighbors were going to attend the wedding or something. Like, because she's flashing on the wedding. She's hearing the sounds of, like, 
glasses clinking together and not just like, okay, act like you're getting married right now for these fake pictures. It's so weird. But also, we see the surrounding areas of the mansion. They are on the side of a hilltop by themselves. There's nothing there. They're like at the most remote manor house in the world. Yes. And I guarantee you, you're not having friends over. Right. Just have two people living there. It doesn't matter. And have like maybe a picture of them together. Like it doesn't matter. Seriously. No one's going to come in and check this out. Especially because I refuse to believe that this is the first line of defense. Yeah. That there aren't gates and guards and whatever, like, all over the place. Well, I can understand why they wouldn't have a bunch of gates and guards, like, why this might be the first level of defense, mm-hmm. because it's a super secret facility. I, yeah, I guess I was just assuming that they would have, like, gates around the property, like a normal fence gate thing for a right. fancy place, and then there's guards maybe hidden somewhere, there's cameras and stuff like that. There certainly would be a gate and cameras, just because a normal estate could have that. Right. And then if they're the guards, that's fine. But, like, you can pretend be married without... Yeah, you or, or you could just be living together. I mean, like... <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. That offends my sensibilities. Like, well, apparently they're expecting it to. Yeah. Since these people need to fake be married. I just pictured the CEO. He's like, a man and a woman living together? No one will believe it. They have to be married. Yeah. I grew up in 1953. Mm-hmm. The hive that they're on top of is a top secret research facility that researches super important classified TCFC. things. <laughs> yeah, we need an acronym for that. Yeah. When Matt asks what brought about the security lockdown, Shade answers that it's complicated. Thankfully, he doesn't have to explain anymore because his team just breached the door. They don't find anyone inside, but their reach the Red Queen is blocked by the sealed labs. And they're also like, uh, look for survivors. There could be survivors. Why would you think that? Yeah, they already said the Red Queen went crazy and killed everyone. Yeah, there's definitely not survivors. Also, you have not trusted a single person you've come across yet. Why would you trust any survivors down there? Yeah. And they're like, uh, so-and-so, see how bad the flooding is? And I'm like, well, I think it's 100%. Like, I can see there's only water in those rooms. I know. Yeah, you can see that the rooms are completely filled with water. So I'm like, unless you have a drainage system that you can implement, like, that's it. What you should be grateful to is that the Red Queen didn't flood the entire hive. Yeah. Also, should you start destroying cameras? She can see you. So while some of the team works on how to get to the Red Queen, maybe clear the route or whatever, really, we just need to pause for a second to get some more exposition. So that's what's happening. We're going to pause for a little bit more to resume our questioning of Shade, who tells them that their team was dispatched after the Red Queen went crazy for an unknown reason and killed everyone in the lab. How would this not, how would the Red Queen not have a way of reporting why it killed everyone in the lab. I was just about to to say that. Why is there no mechanism for like, why did you do this? Oh, the thing got out. Yeah. You know, the thing that I was designed to, to keep inside the hive at all times. Yeah. That was almost released. Also, why wouldn't you assume that? Yeah. What else would make this happen? Yeah. There's like, well, it must be a glitch in the security system. And I like that they're saying that it's, you know, a bug and not a feature that she went nuts and killed everybody. Like, you designed her to do this and you gave her all of these mechanisms for it. So, it's weird that you're acting shocked when it happened. Yeah. Also, then we get a weird shot of Matt staring at the air vent in here. I guess because he's, like, hearing moaning or something. Yeah, I didn't... I couldn't tell what he was supposed to be hearing. But it was, like, a real long happened. shot. Yeah. And it was given a great deal of attention. No. Well... Just in case we didn't know, we'll realize it later. Matt is the smartest person in the room at all times. Except for Alice, once she regains some more of her memory. Right, once she remembers stuff. But until then, Matt has all the answers. Yeah, mostly right now she's just walking around looking pretty. Rain, Michelle Rodriguez, reports that the whole level is flooded. So they have, which is clearly not true because you're standing in a hallway on that level. But I know. Reports that the whole level is flooded, so they have to find Guys, another way. This whole level is flooded. We are currently <laughs> scuba diving through this hallway. Exactly. Uh, they all leave just before one of the floating corpses in the water filled room opens its eyes. <gasps> dun dun dun. Who would have guessed? <laughs> not me. This game surely wasn't famous for zombies they wander around some more while chad kaplan team techie hacks a door open from one of the computers and it's a door to like this like mirrored glass hallway that's super fancy looking and okay so one of the great flaws of this movie is i never really know question there are none (laughs) 
is that I never really know where they are in the facility at any given time. Oh, I don't either. I have so, no idea what the layout of this place looks like. Right. Which would be okay, except when I was trying to do this outline, I realized, like, I've never really noticed how little I didn't really know where they were until I was trying to do this outline. And I was like, I don't know why they're trying to get into this hallway. And I don't know why there's something on the other side that's just what they need that, like, I don't know how hard it was to get there or how high up in the facility they are, because you would think they have to go along more way, but they don't, actually. This is as deep into the hive as they need to get. Yeah, exactly. So, I'll be a little vague on those (laughs) details, but they break into this mirrored, fancy lit hallway, and they open the doors, um, but the Red Queen is not having it. It waits until four team members are inside the hallway, and then it traps them there and kills them with lasers. And I think that this laser killing shows a bit of the personality (laughs) yes yeah because it has the capability as we see at the very end it has the capability of doing a laser that's just like a grid through the entire hallway but it waits (laughs) it first just starts off with single lasers like beheading people and cutting them in half and that stuff you stuff where like you you can avoid it oh if you try hard enough (laughs) you can avoid it and they do a little bit and then it's like okay but now we we have to get down to the nitty gritty and it's just like laser grid cubed shade which is so sad because the guy finally breaks the system and turns it off i know like six inches after it cuts that shade (laughs) i know and i was so bummed because i they had to still walk through that hallway and i was like oh show me those cubes of person all over the place and they didn't do it i it would have been so funny they do actually kind of comment on it because it's the it's the reference to the fact that the bodies disappear in the video game oh yeah but that was later they showed all the other bodies in this one except the cubes of shade uh, it was too too expensive too I, messy i guarantee you yeah that i i know it would have been hard but i still wanted it yeah but I still paid three American dollars to see this movie. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I do like that he shuts down the system like right after the last person is killed because it's like the exact opposite timing of what you normally get. So exactly. I just really liked that. I know because he's like got it. And then you see it start to cut into his face, and I was like, oh, it's going to, like, do that thing where it cuts into his face, and he just has, like, some little grid lines on his face that are nope. bleeding, but, like, no. No. It stops well after him. Well, it's funny, too, because if he had just gotten all the way back in that hall... Yeah. And he sees the grid, and he's like, oh, no, I can't avoid this, you'd think instinctively you would get as far away from it as you could, but he was like, well, I accept my fate. Yes. <laughs> okay, here's the other thing. I have long believed that people in movies don't throw up enough when they see gruesome deaths. Probably. But you know what? I, as someone with a very sensitive gag reflex, am grateful for that. (laughs) Yeah, that that doesn't bother me. To the point where when people do throw up after seeing something horrible, I'm like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Also, I like that while Kaplan's trying to deactivate the system, everyone everyone who's in the room is just yelling at him, like, just do it! Just do it! And I'm like, just do what? You're acting like it's a button that he's just not pressing because he doesn't feel like it. Right? And they're like, open the door. You have to open the door. And you're like, oh, is that what he needs to do? You should know. He, he, he was working. He's checking his Facebook. <laughs> it was the most useless things that they were yelling. I know. I was like, well, that's not helping at all. Yeah. So Kaplan then bravely insists that they move forward with the mission. And I say brave because he's clearly so scared. It was really, it was pretty brave of him to actually try to keep going, even when everyone else was like, uh, no. And he was like, we have to. Yeah. It was like almost a cartoonish, like, Scooby-Doo, like, shaking really hard going through the hallway. And he does it. I know. They go into the hallway and... Or he goes into the hallway by himself. He's the only one that's willing to do it. And he does it. And then, like, he's freaking out a little bit. And then Alice joins him. Um, And so they're the only two that continue on. Um, They get to where the little ones. Yeah, I know. Spence, like, this is not my fight. He's like, hey, I did my part, okay? I gave Alice a jacket (laughs) when she was cold. That's that's as gentlemanly as I feel called to be. Exactly. I smiled flirtatiously a little bit. (laughs) Kaplan and Alice get to where they can disable the Red Queen, which is in some little room just past the hallway, I guess. And they start working on it when a hologram of a pasty little British girl shows up, telling them that they should leave now and that they will die there. Pasty, but tinged with red. 
Yes. And she is really funny because her voice kind of sounds a little bit like Cockney or something. I can't tell. Her voice was funny. Yeah. So Kaplan says that that's the Red Queen who was modeled on the designer's daughter. Mm-hmm. So that's the accent. and Which actually, come, like, her backstory comes into big, big time into the later movies. Yeah. And he says it will try and trick them to prevent being shut down. But they shut her down anyway. And the primary power goes along with it, which they knew they would. That wasn't a surprise. Yeah. We see the main lights going off around the main characters, but unbeknownst to them, we also see a lot of doors opening. <gasps> is that a... Do you think that's going to be a bad thing? Probably not. Okay. I mean, the corpses in the hallway will be unfortunate, but, you know. Yeah. They're trained professionals. That's right. Rain and the others, I suddenly realized were not with from this scene. I suddenly realized they were not with the other ones in the hallway. I thought everyone was waiting outside the hallway. Why were they divided up? And some people were waiting further down. I didn't even think that. I forgot they existed. Well, there you go. I just thought they were being quiet. I was like, okay, a bunch of people just died, so I guess these are the only three people left. And then I was like, oh, wait, there's these other people. Yeah, and I saw them, and I didn't, I didn't, I guess I didn't, wasn't surprised to see them, but I was just like, oh, okay, so they were also, like, in the room yelling at him (laughs) about shutting down the system. They were not. They don't even know what's going on. Yeah, no, I think we would have gotten a lot of close-ups of Michelle Rodriguez being very angry. True, yeah. So she and the others are waiting for that group's return when they hear something. Rain goes to check it out and finds a woman who attacks her because zombies! She immediately gets bitten on the hand, I think. Yeah. They think that the woman's just crazy at first, Mm -hmm. but even after they shoot her, she keeps coming. Rain is a lot less interested in this than she should be. (laughs) I shot her five times. How is she still standing? She isn't standing now. When they look for the woman's body after they shot it a bunch of times and it collapsed, it's gone. (gasps) Matt notices the blood left behind is coagulated, which only happens after you're dead. Which is false. That's a weird thing to say. Yeah, I know. That only happens when you're alive. (laughs) It's hard to say. Yeah. He's he's a cop, not a scientist. Yeah. Well, that's not the first medical misinformation we'll get from this movie. Oh, very much. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Rain says they can't leave until the rest of the team gets back, but... Kaplan, who showed up during all of this, Kaplan and Alice and Spence and all of them, tell her that no one else made it. No one else is coming. Uh, Just as they're about to get into it, though, because Rain is willing to get into it with anyone at the drop of a hat. I know. She's so angry. I know. It's like, you need some therapy, girl. A bunch of zombies attack just then, though. Okay, but in a funny way. So they hear a sound, and they're like, what is that sound? And it's a zombie dragging an axe on the floor because this guy, at the beginning of the movie, they were trying to get out of the flooding lab. And so he grabbed an axe and was going at the windows. Because his steps are, there's gaps in them, it sounds like someone's ringing a big doorbell. Like, (laughs) hi, (laughs) can I come in? Is there an emergency in there? And I thought that was funny. Yeah, fair enough. So, um, Matt, who is still in handcuffs for some reason, the cop. But fumbling with what looks like keys. I know. I guess he stole keys at some point. I don't know when. We were just shown at some point. They were like, oh, don't worry. He's fumbling with keys. Yeah, so he's got the handcuff keys. So he's trying to get them off during this zombie attack. Everyone else, though, is just proving they have not seen enough zombie movies in their life. Okay, thank you. People always act like they've never even heard of zombies. And they're like, we're shooting, but they're not dying. (laughs) Nobody ever is like... Shoot him in the head. Yeah. Nobody ever even tries that. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe if we just put more in the chest. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So they finally shoot into a tank to explode it. And in the explosion, Alice remembers meeting a woman in a graveyard, offering to help her get the virus and the security plans for the hive. One of the one of the SWAT team members unlocks a doorway to try and escape, only to be overwhelmed by zombies. (laughs) So many. I just, this was one of those really great moments. 
um, where, and this is really a movie that is better if you just don't think about it and you just watch it. But oh, that's the thing. For all of my criticisms here, I like the Resident Evil movies. Yeah, no, I love the Resident Evil movies, including this one. Yeah, and, they're very um, fun. Yeah, and this is one of those moments that I really love, which is he finally pries the door open and he's like, he always opens it and we're like, we're all saved, essentially. <laughs> and like, he opens it, but it's like, 20 he's, not, zombies. he's not looking. Yeah. And I was wondering if it was maybe that the zombies that were trapped in the elevator or something. I wasn't maybe sure what so. door he was opening, but there was just like a swarm of zombies behind him that just grab him and drag him back. Grab, chomp. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is so funny because... I feel like as a soldier, you should immediately have looked in that door. Uh, yeah, well, he was focused on the threat in front of him and not the possible threat behind. I think he was actually focused on telling off the guy who couldn't open the door when he was trying to do it. Because he was like, see, that was really easy. <laughs> and that's what being catty gets you. <laughs> Teamwork yeah. makes the dream work. Very Don't true. do that. Yeah. Yeah, so that guy gets killed. And he is thankfully the guy that looked like Kaplan, so now there's only one guy left, which makes it a lot easier for facial so recognition. Because <laughs> Kaplan does not look like Matt, so we're or James Purefoy, so we're good. Yes. Finally settled. Uh, and the zombies also bite Rain a bunch, because she hasn't been bitten enough times. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I don't feel anything, though, watching her get bitten, because she's already been bitten. Yeah. I mean, I know she's Michelle Rodriguez, but, like, also because of that, I already know she's going to die in this movie. She so dies don't all act the time. Like this she is, is a regular Sean Bean. Yeah. Was this also that f- that fight where Matt drops the keys in a grate? I just forgot to mention that Matt drops his keys, they go into a grate, he reaches, like, half finger length, single fingers in parts of the grate, and manages to retrieve his keys. How deep is this grate, and how did he grab his keys and get them out again? With handcuffed hands. I don't understand that. Yeah. Even without handcuffs, I do feel like you could not have gotten those keys back. Well, he has magnetic fingers. Oh, no. so See, they didn't explain that well enough. Yeah, that's well known fact. I mean, you should have just assumed. Yeah, I will now. Yeah. They somehow get to safety. It's not really shown. We just kind of assume it, I guess. They somehow get safety and Rain and Ch- and Kaplan bicker pointlessly about where the zombies came from and whose fault it is they've been released. Oh, that was weird. They were like, well, you released them when you turned the power off. This uh, is your fault. Yeah, like... Eh, okay, You should have known there would be swarms of zombies. A, like his leader didn't tell him to do that. Like, he yeah. just made this decision. B, like, she didn't know that's what they were going to do. Yeah. There's the whole reason they came down here. So, yeah. yeah. So Alice is wandering the halls by herself now. She comes across the kennels where she's attacked by a pack of what looks like skinned dogs. The human zombies don't look like this. I know, it's But weird. the dogs look like they're skinned. Can I just say that this was the scene more than anything else that seemed like it was from a video game to me? Yeah, it did. It was um, like, now you get to this part of the lab and you're attacked zombie by, dogs. by zombie dogs. Like, this is where the zombie dogs are in the kennels. Like... It just really felt that way to me. Notice how much better these dogs looked than the monster. It's in part because these were real dogs covered in meat. How did they get the dogs to not just lick themselves in meat? Oh, they had a hard time with it. I know. It it was difficult because they kept just licking the blood and meat off of themselves. Yeah. Wow. What well-trained dogs. I know. Also, when she first sees a zombie dog... It bears its teeth, and they're, like, jagged and super sharp. And I'm like, dog teeth are scary enough already. You don't have to make them fangs. Yeah, because the human zombies didn't have weird fangs. No. Those are vampires, guys. Come on. Exactly. Get your supernatural creatures right. Yeah. But uh, not the first time that we see the virus wildly differently affect different things. Well, we have to create a lot of different monsters for these games. Alice, while being attacked by these dogs, discovers that she has mad fighting skills based on her reactions to being attacked. And she easily shoots all the dogs with a gun she found. After doing a wall jump and kicking one of them. Exactly. Then when she runs out of bullets, she kung fu's the last dog. Nice. I know. Yeah, that was definitely in the trailer. Yeah. No kidding. It was probably most of the trailer. Yeah. Meanwhile, Matt is also wandering around on his own in a zombie-free environment. These two somehow both managed to break away from the pack, weren't interested in staying in safety in numbers. Yeah. He finds a bunch of desks, like an office area, and starts searching them until he finds Lisa's desk. 
He looks through the documents. Which, on her name tag, she is mostly identified by... It says BR, Lisa. Why would you spell out their first name? <laughs> Whoever makes name tags. It's a little weird. Maybe her last name is just BR. You don't know their family. Well, that's true. He looks through the documents in the desk when zombie Lisa herself walks up and tries to eat his face. Although, if there is an award for hottest zombie... I gotta give it to her. Oh, totally. She looked great. She looked barely zombie at all. She just had really pale skin. And the thing is, she walks up and he's like, Lisa. And she's walking really slow and like... With her head at an angle. Yeah. And like her hands are kind of going toward his face. And I'm like, okay, two things are going to happen. One of two things. She's either a zombie and she's about to bite your face. Or she's trying to make out with you. <laughs> Both of those options are weird because that's your sister. I know. We do find out that maybe it was just like a weird neck hug. Yeah, maybe. Again, we don't know this family. Alice, though, also happens to be here. Just coincidentally, maybe it's the offices next to the kennels. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Uh, Alice kills her and then realizes it's the woman she'd met in the cemetery. Mm, also the Alan Rickman's receptionist from Love Actually. Very nice. Matt says that it was his sister. They're part of an international anti-umbrella corporation group. Which they tried to make sound large. It has hundreds of thousands of members, apparently. Worldwide, that's very small. There are billions of people in the world, and you've got hundreds of thousands? I think that's very small. Well, maybe that's why they've been so ineffective at it. But what I will say is, if you have hundreds of thousands of members, you should have been making more progress than this. You you shouldn't have had to send your sister in. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, some people get information, and some people just support them, and some people... And I'm like, okay, you guys need to get your act together. You guys need to get organized, have a game plan. Like, just focus on one branch of the Umbrella Corporation. Don't attack all of them worldwide. That's why you're failing, if this is the case. Right? So, we find out he is not a cop, after all. Shocking. Whoa! I know, right? Changes everything I thought about knew about this guy. <laughs> no, Because of his problematic background, his sister had to be the one to infiltrate the Umbrella Corporation and expose their illegal research. His sister was going to smuggle out a sample of the virus with the help of her contact, who Matt doesn't know. <gasps> Alice asks why she didn't make it out. Like he would know. He knows as much <laughs> about what happened I as know. you do. I know. Like on her cell phone, several stories underground, explaining things as it happened. Like, what do you, I mean, come on. Yeah, what did you think? What's really weird is that he managed to show up within four hours of this attack happening. That is crazy. I mean, he beat the army guys there. How did you even know it had happened? I know. Unless this was the exact time that she was supposed to get out. Like, she could have just been delayed at work and not had a chance to steal the virus yet. Yeah, I bet you anything the old Umbrella Corporation expects overtime. (laughs) Oh, guaranteed. Especially since they have a bunch of people just living down there in the hive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So he says he doesn't know, but she may have been double-crossed by her contact because of how much the T-virus would be worth on the black market. I think that that virus would be worth zero. Because... There's not a lot of research on it that wasn't done by the person trying to sell it. And how, okay, it's so dangerous. Why would you ever even risk it being exposed to your own population? Oh, right. It's a million times more dangerous than nuclear weapons. Yeah. And we see that played out during the course of these movies. Yeah. But I feel like mostly countries would just pay you to never, ever use it. Yeah. They would pay you so much money to never use it. It's not worth it. For selling purposes. Alice and Matt now rejoin the others, running as fast as they can from the zombies that are suddenly chasing them. I feel like we missed a scene in here where they got attacked by zombies. There were a few scenes like that. Yeah. They're all trapped in the Queen's chamber now, and Rain tells everyone that the mansion doors will seal shut in under an hour. Okay. This is going back to when Matt was in the office uh, looking for stuff, but... There was a really funny thing where there was a zombie on the other side of a window and the zombie's like, and just banging on the window and then like stands up and looks at him and like leaves slowly. Why did the zombie leave? I feel like this (laughs) zombie has a backstory that we don't know about. He's the only one to ever leave. Yeah, he's he's a quitter. Yeah. (laughs) Alice takes charge of the situation and turns the Red Queen back on. 
they also use some computer stuff to make sure they have leverage on the main on the red queen so they like take the main circuit breaker out so that if they press some button it will fry and i don't know it was just technology babble computer yeah this is a computer right we're dealing with here rose exactly so something about now they have a button that will fry it and kill it forever magic button that's all we need to know exactly so they question the Red Queen, who explains that the T-virus was developed for military use. Surprise, surprise. What else would it have been developed for? She was like, it was a huge scientific breakthrough. Uh, but you can see it also has weapon uses. And I was like, well, I, what? It clearly doesn't have any other uses. <laughs> yeah. Just reanimating dead people that just want to chomp you. Also, you're just developing viruses. Like, how would that be used for anything other than military use? Right. They explain zombies by arguing that the human body stays active long after it's dead. Like, super long. Like, months. And they, they trot out all the old things that are not true that people used to think, and some people still say, probably... Hair and fingernails keep growing when really it's just your body shrinks and so they look longer. New, she claims that new cells are produced. Yeah. Very false. That is impossible. And that there's a bunch of electrical activity going on in the brain for like months yeah, afterwards. Yeah, that's the thing where it's like it accumulates for months. Before, it, like it's months before it dissipates or whatever. Yeah, I feel like that's not true either. I don't know how that could possibly be true. Yeah. I would need a great deal of scientific evidence. Yeah. Um, if I was going to trust it, I think I would need, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson to personally come to my home and explain it to me. It would be a weird choice since he actually has nothing to do with biology. But. I know, but he's a public face, so I trust him more. <laughs> yeah, so they say that this is how what the T-virus uses to reanimate it, which, for one thing, by this argument, means that the T-virus is only capable of reanimating bodies for a few months, which we see is not true. Yeah. Um, can I say that none of what she said about the body still doing these things explains how the T-virus works? What? N- no, it doesn't at all. Like, they're not related. It's not like yeah. they just jump onto that process and are like, well, now we keep it going forever somehow. Well, and this also, this virus has the same problem that a lot of zombie making viruses have, which is it says, well, it does all these things. And what it really does is reanimate dead bodies. Right. But... That doesn't explain why in movies somebody will get scratched by a zombie and all of a sudden after a few hours or maybe a day at the most they become a zombie. That doesn't make sense. It means that if you die, Mm -hmm. you will become a zombie because you're infected with this virus. But unless the virus is also capable of killing you, then it would be dormant in your body until you were dead. That's a really good point. I never really thought about that. This was a huge problem with The Walking Dead for me. Yeah. Um, It's a plot hole that they never adequately explain or acknowledge and that nobody else is as indignant about as I am. (laughs) Shockingly. (laughs) Yeah, you know, my big thing with zombie stuff, now they actually deal with this pretty well in this movie because it's airborne, which is a really good way to, you know, depending on how much of it there is and where you're exposing people to this, it is a really good way to spread something quickly. But usually it's just bites, and that's actually a terrible way to transmit disease if the disease is going to be successful. Right. Because you have to be in really close proximity, it doesn't spread quickly, and the other thing that makes a disease really unsuccessful is having a very short incubation time. If you're presenting yeah. immediately, it's very easy to shut this down. So it's, and it's kind of like a less successful version of rabies right and why do you think rabies isn't literally everywhere because it's bite transmitted right and it that's again it's around but it's not everywhere yeah and that's why you know diseases that are the most successful are like you don't know you have it you get on a plane and then three days later you've exposed so many people to it yeah it's not going to be immediate anyway that's my big deal with zombieism fair enough And this is also when the Red Queen explains that the virus is protein. So I don't know what that means, but according to the Red Queen, it means that it can be airborne, liquid, transmitted, basically any way, shape, or form that you want. Yeah, I don't really have any opinions about, like, I don't know enough about that, but I feel like that's not a good explanation. Well, that's the reason why it can be both airborne or injected. Although we'll later see that injecting is different than the airborne exposure. 
And also why it can be, why it got started as airborne, but now is transmitted through bites. This is all supposed to be explained through the protein thing. Okay. But again, I am not a science major, so I don't know. It seems weird to me, that but... That doesn't seem to make sense. No. So, these reanimated bodies, though, are now driven by one need. The need to feed. I can't so believe cheesy. they actually said that no. in the movie. But that doesn't explain... This is the other problem that I often have with these explanations for zombie stuff. It doesn't explain why they don't eat each other. Yes, and it also doesn't explain why they don't actually fully eat their victims. They just bite them, and then later you see them as zombies. Yeah. That doesn't... Like, at the most, there's, like, partial disembowelment or something. Yeah, but you you really don't see them eating yeah. things. But I really think that if zombies were only fueled by a desire to eat flesh, they would also eat each other. Yeah. Absolutely. Which I think would be a very neat solution to the zombie problem. So, generally, these are pretty standard zombies. They are killed by headshots. The virus is transmitted through bites. All your regular stuff. The Red Queen locked down the hive to prevent the virus from escaping. It doesn't want them to leave either, but they threaten to fry it if it doesn't. Help them, basically help them get a root out. Yeah. We cut to them in the utility tunnels, where they are, of course, attacked by more zombies. It's fine, though, because Alice is feeling good. They escape again, but Rain is not in a good place mentally, because she's sitting on a ledge above the zombie hordes and dripping her blood on them while taunting them. Oh my gosh. What a... Ugh. That was not my favorite scene. She is going through some stuff. Yeah. It was not going well. Not dealing with it great. No, and also I would argue that maybe you need, like, a psych evaluation before you continue your soldiering. (laughs) Yeah. They crawl on the pipes over the zombies' heads, but Kaplan, who's the techie, slips and gets separated. He gets away from the zombies. Somehow, even though they're super duper surrounding him and they've all got their mitts on him, but yet (laughs) nobody gets a bite in? Yeah. That seems like, I know you say you want to bite people, zombies, (laughs) but it really seems like you're not trying hard enough. That is true. Nobody went for the legs? Come on. Yeah. But yeah, but Kaplan recognizes that they won't be able to save him. And so he orders them to keep going without him. They go back up into the main building, not knowing that a monster who we've only kind of seen sporadically in cutscenes is tracking them. And this monster is called the Liquor. It is just like a super gross long tongue. Yeah, and it's just kind of like a red, like an eyeless red humanoid creature that's like mostly exposed brain. Yeah. So Alice has some memory flashes again and remembers that there's an antivirus she goes to look for it with matt telling him that she was his sister's contact but she can't remember if she betrayed her matt like oh, he assumes 100 he doesn't even ass- he's just like hey d- did you betray her like answer me i'm assuming you have all your memories and she's like i don't remember and he's like hey I really need to know. And she's like, yeah, again, I do not remember. Yeah. I would like to remember my parents, but you know what? No doubt. Can't always get what we want. So she, she finds where the antivirus was kept, but it's gone. Cause we, of course, as audience members will recognize that this is the place where, where the case was loaded up at the beginning of the movie. Spence. Remember Spence? Spence, her fake husband. Yeah. Yep. He has not come up a lot in this movie, but now he is here with a vengeance. He sees the spot where the virus was kept and has his own memory flashes, which I kind of suspected when they were like, memory loss is a possible side effect. I was like, oh, Spence is faking it. He was not. He I also thought he was faking loss. it too. I thought him faking it would have been better, but they, they didn't do that. Yeah. So he remembers spying on Alice's meeting with Matt's sister he was the one that stole the virus and broke one before he left. Which, by the way, I don't understand why he did that. There's no logic behind it. Spite, I guess? I don't know. You know how dangerous this is. Yeah. How does the Red Queen not know this? I. How is the Red Queen not like you, buddy? Yeah. You released this. You're not getting out. She should have done that. And she also should have known that he shouldn't have been down in the lab. It's yes. so clearly not his job to Well, because also, Alice had clearly been down in the lab before, too, because she recognized all of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I guess maybe the logic was that if he broke one behind him, it would be a distraction and no one would notice him leaving. But I think the Red Queen would have freaked out anyway because the the T-virus was in a case being taken out of the building. Yes, she definitely would have noticed. Maybe he was trying to keep her occupied with that. I think what he was trying to do is keep people from coming after him by keeping them busy with that, that situation. Right. But of course, the Red Queen doesn't seem to have stopped him from getting as far as the train. He says, I almost I almost made it before the nerve gas was released. And the mm-hmm. nerve gas is apparently everywhere. It's also in the train. Well, that he was like, I didn't realize that they yeah. had it even past the mansion. Right. Yeah, so the Red Queen kind of seems like it's not great at its job. Alice can somehow read that something is wrong on his face. They're just kind of looking at him, and she figures something out. They both go for the gun that's sitting on the table, but Spence gets it. He offers to take Alice with him and share the profits, because, you know, they had something. I guess. They were doing it in or the flashback scene. And he thinks he'll go for it. She yeah. does not. Spence th- thinks that they're culpable because they worked for the company, and that nothing will ever change, even though people are trying to bring down the company. Because I guess it's too big and powerful. Yeah, I like that he's like, well, we're culpable. So instead of trying to make what amends we can, um, let's make it a billion times worse. Yeah. Also, I'm like, okay, you're culpable. Like, you did work for the company. Did you know they were creating, like, zombie viruses down there? Or, like, what was the extent of your knowledge here? Because if you did before you went to work there then you, your choice was already culpability, so don't act like you were railroaded into this. And if you didn't know, then you weren't culpable. Right. Because you didn't know about it. Right, and you should just join Alice. And, but clearly he's actually just super selfish and out yeah. for his own game. I, I know. He was wearing a leather jacket. So as he's revealing that the virus is on the train where he was knocked out, Matt sees a zombie rising out of the water behind him. What are these on time release? How did the zombie just now realize? Right. Well, especially because this was the same zombie that we first saw open her eyes in the water. Oh my gosh. Maybe it was swimming. Yeah, maybe Swimming there. Maybe all the labs are connected by pipes and it was swimming its way there. Yeah, maybe it was just mad because it was like, I'm here to relax. (laughs) So Alice declines his offer to go with him right before the zombie bites him. He kills the zombie and then locks them in the room. They think all is lost, but then the Red Queen intervenes, saying she's been a naughty girl. I've been a bad, bad girl. <laughs> and then she's like, guys, get a load of this. Look what I'm doing. Look look at this. And, like, puts it on screen for them. Just like, yeah. look, at, look at his gruesome death. Oh, my gosh. I know. So just as, as he's about to inject himself with the antivirus. So here's the thing. He's got the antivirus all loaded up in the injector. And then he hears a noise. And so he stopped, like, right against his skin. And so he stops and looks insane. around. And I'm like, it why takes, like, wouldn't two you? two seconds to inject yeah, yourself. Yeah, why wouldn't you inject yourself and then look around? You have everything all set up. You just have to press the little injector. But, like, instead, you just, like, look around for a noise. Yeah. I mean, I guess we should be grateful because it means he didn't waste it. But, you know, so just as he's about to inject himself with the antivirus, the liquor attacks and kills him. The Red Queen reveals that the liquor is an early experiment from injecting the T-virus directly into a person. So this is when we see that it's different if it's injected versus, like, airborne. It mutates after feeding, becoming stronger and faster. Alice figures out that the Red Queen was saving it for them in order to prevent anyone from leaving ever. Yeah. Which was pretty darn smart, I think. Oh, yeah. And she still could have saved it for them if she hadn't shown them on screen what she was doing to that other guy. The Red Queen says that it will give them the door access code if they kill Rain, who's infected. Things are sped up by the liquor showing up on the other side of the reinforced glass. Alice destroys the Red Queen's screen instead, and then the Red Queen shuts off and the power goes out, and you're like, what? Did that really work? Can you just, like, destroy one screen and destroy the Red Queen? But that's not the case, because then the door opens and Kaplan comes in, still unbitten by zombies, I guess, revealing that he fried the Red Queen for being uncooperative. He still has the the magic button. Mm Mm-hmm. They escape the room ahead of the liquor and make it to the train. Alice gives Rain the antivirus, and the train takes them back up to the mansion. But this wouldn't be a Resident Evil movie without a final boss fight with the liquor. It kills Kaplan and scratches Matt. 
Alice shoots it repeatedly in the head, which does nothing, of course. Yeah. Even though it does not have anything over its brain. No. Which seems like a huge design flaw. Yes. As she's fighting it, Rain becomes a zombie and attacks Matt. Because she had the virus in her system for too long, so the antivirus didn't work. Matt kills Rain and opens the train doors for Alice, who drags the liquor along behind them, and it goes up in flames. My other question is, why did the red... Why did they keep the liquor around? Like, what was the goal here? Was it just to see what... How long it could live or something? I mean, we see at the end that the scientist is Jason Isaacs, so I assume he's just mad with experimentation. Well, yeah, he... There is <laughs> As that. he is in all of his roles. Yes. And the, and the Umbrella Corporation has been shown to be irresponsible... Shockingly irresponsible in its experiments. I know. I'm really just imagining a meeting with all the high-ups. They're like, guys, honestly, let's just be amazed this hasn't happened before. Yeah. <laughs> Something with so... Our fingers in so many crazy experiments. Something was bound to get out. So, Alice and Matt, the... Two survivors arrive at the mansion with seconds to spare. When they're collapsed on the floor, Alice whines a bit about being a failure, but Matt puts the blame squarely on the corporation. Yep. As he talks, his arm begins to undulate where it was scratched. Alice is about to give him the antivirus when the door of the mansion opens and a bunch of men in white hazmat suits show up and take him to be put in the Nemesis Project. They take her for testing as well, because why not? I mean... Exactly. And as she goes in and out of consciousness, she hears them saying that they're going to reopen the hive for further investigation. What was the point in sending a team down there to investigate when now that they're back, instead of questioning the survivor, you're just going to send more people down there? I know. It doesn't make any sense. She wakes up on a lab table, hooked up to machines... She rips out the tubes and... Got a weird, like, paper dress clipped onto her, too. This was so bizarre, because it was like, this, this, from a logistics point, this makes no sense. No. Either should she be, she should be wearing a full paper gown, and you should adjust where the tubes are sticking into her accordingly, or she should be basically naked, because they don't care about her as a human being, and her sense of Seriously. modesty and well-being. Yeah, let's not pretend. Yeah. Clearly, it was... I mean, they, they had wires sticking into her everywhere, and so I suppose that was supposed to be the justification, but, like, come on. Yeah. Anyway. So she rips out the tubes and goes out into the hallway, and eventually the city, because she's in the Raccoon City Hospital, so she goes out to the city where she sees that Raccoon City has been abandoned and overrun by zombies. Dun, End of movie. Dun, dun. Exactly. Also... I was really impressed with the movie for one science term that they did not misuse. When they were talking about, when the Red Queen was talking about the liquor and how it bit Spence, she was saying now that it has had fresh DNA, it's going to mutate. And it did. I was just super glad that she, they kept using the word mutate and not evolve. Oh. Because so often people use the word evolve for one organism in its own lifetime, which is impossible. <laughs> one thing cannot evolve. It happens over generations. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was, so when people are like, oh, it's sped up evolution. Like, that's not a thing. Mm-hmm. You can't speed up evolution unless you're shortening lifespans. Yeah. So, anyway. So, yeah. That is the first Resident Evil movie. It is the first of the most successful series of movies made on a video game for good reason by far yeah uh and we didn't mention this it's directed by paul ws anderson so confusing my goodness i know do we really need more than one paul anderson with middle initials i mean i think paul ws anderson makes it clear that we do what would we do without him he also directed pompeii yes and he directed the reason he got this movie is because he directed Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. which was the first movie based on a video game to make a profit, like, to be successful. And it's a very funny movie. <laughs> yes. And he got a wife out of the deal. He married Mila Jovovich. Yep. In 2009, and they're still married. I know. Scored big on that one. Mm-hmm. She's a looker. And he is not. So. Yeah, I know. It's funny, because she... Also married Luc Besson, 
after the fifth element. Clearly she's got a thing for directors. Yeah. Men in power. For weird directors. Yeah. So, and he is going to basically be in charge of this whole series. Yeah. He doesn't direct all of them, but he's always involved in the process, either as a producer, writer, something. And really, this is a series that gets better as it goes on, because they evolve the world more. Yeah. But it's also interesting that this is a video game. I think maybe the reason it did so well is because they weren't really interested in tying it directly to the stories from this the video game series. And I think that's part of what really hampers video game movies. There's a reason that they they're video games. They're different. You can't make them exactly the same. It's like with biopics when people are like, "Oh, but that didn't really happen." And it's like, "Do you think that lives are just like simple three-act, yeah. perfect scripts. Lives no. are not cinematic. No. So, yeah, I, th- I think that was a really good choice. Yeah. And Alice is a really strong character who continues through all of the movies. Also, I really love that the presidents of Capcom, I think, for America and Japan, which is the company that made the game, both were zombie extras. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, I like that. So this movie was wildly successful, of course, as it should have been. Mm-hmm. Its budget was $33 million, and it made $103 million. Whoa. And there are five movies in the series overall. It didn't do very well critically for some reason. For some reason. I don't for know For some why. reason, it was on Roger Ebert's most hated list. That is a poor decision, I think, on his part. I agree. It's very fun. Yeah. He didn't think it was fun, I guess. Yeah. Probably not his type of fun. So next up, we're doing something with hopefully a lot less gore. Uh, <laughs> Kong Skull Island. Starring Tom Hiddleston, Samuel L. Jackson, Brie Larson, John C. Riley, John Goodman. Heavens to Betsy. There's a lot of people in this. And I have a feeling it will be all of their best roles. <laughs> oh, if what I know of this movie is true, that is false. So that's what's next on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.